Hello, my friends, and welcome to this episode of Older and Bolder, the podcast. My name is Krista, and welcome to episode six of season two. And today, I thought I'd share a, a bit more about some of the things, start sharing some of the things that I personally am working on as I continue to step into boldness as a value that I have for myself in my life right now and how I think there are a lot of women in midlife that also would like to be bolder and find it difficult or challenging. And the thing that has been coming up for me lately is that when I'm being bold, I'm often having to challenge myself on the daily, every day. I am working with something or working through something. And it's often around old thinking, old habits, patterns, ideas, um, and beliefs about what I should do or what I shouldn't do or how I could be improving or what is fine the way it is. So this episode, I got to thinking about after a week of being in a place of stuck. <laughs> and I imagine that many of you will relate to this as I talk about it. It was around the problem of either or thinking, black and white thinking, either or thinking, right, wrong. Sometimes we call it binary thinking. And it's this idea that there's only two answers. So there's only this way and that way, that there's only these two options. And I would say that for most of the time, that's not the case for most of us, that there's only two answers. It's just that we think there's only two answers. So I'll get a little more specific. When I've spoken to other women, and I've thought about my own life, when they've encountered a difficult problem, there's often a an answer to a problem to a problem that may be somebody else's answer that we don't like. And there's our answer, which we like, but the other person may not like. So we get this very uh, opposite. That's why I called it binary, this right, wrong, on, off, either, or. But what happens is we get so very stuck in a only this is the possibility way of looking at a problem. And the other person or circumstance or institution sometimes might have the same idea. So what we end up doing when we're caught in this either or trap, as I think of it, is that we think that's all there is. That's the only choices, the extent of the reality. It could never be anything different than that. And I was in a place last week, I was thinking about the work I do, and I was thinking about some of the other interests I have in life, and my my mind wanted to create, first I wanted to create a problem that wasn't entirely there, and then second, though, it also said, well, I either have to do it in this one focused way, 
or I have to give that up and I'm only going to go do the other things. And for a while, I was, my mind was working out, sort of battling, if you will, these two ideas of there's only this one focused way, or I have to give that up and then go only to this other direction, which I already had known that there's definitely multiple options beyond that. But it took a little bit of, of work within myself to come to a place where I could actually see and choose to look at option three, option four, five, etc. So when we have this either or thinking, we almost have to really like, we, we really do, not like, but we have to catch ourselves and we have to stop and just take a breath for a moment and remind ourselves that there are hundreds, if not thousands of other options. These are the two that I see clearly right now and that somebody else might see clearly. But there are hundreds of options. The reason why we don't entertain some of those options so much is we are very strongly, we think very strongly that we want the outcome of that option B, if you will, that we like very much. We think we want that outcome. And the other options, I've used letters and numbers now, I realize, but the other options outside of option A and option B for for through C, D, E, F, and so on, is that we're not as sure of that outcome, or we may not be sure we would like those other outcomes. So we're less likely to consider them. So it's, we dismiss them. Because when we're presented with those other options, at least a third option, we might think it's too hard, that it's unlikely to work or help us or benefit us. Uh, We may may think that that option, that other option may not have worked for us in the past, or it may not have worked for someone we know. Um, We might think that we think we know how it will work out, that it's sure to, to fail, Um, And we also may think that others might criticize or laugh at us if we take that alternate third, fourth, fifth option. And there's so many other, other ways of speaking, but these are the top four that I would say are, are the ones that tend to stop us from looking at other options. And our mind will go through it very quickly. Like, oh, it won't work because of this, because of this, because of that and that. Uh, The thing is, our mind has no idea what could work in the future. And when I've worked with clients and I've, um, when we've talked about a problem, a situation, I'm thinking very specifically of a client not so long ago who had a situation where they needed to be present and they needed to be of help to someone But my client really hated doing that work. They hated being there, hated doing that work. And for them, all they could see was, I'm either not doing it at all, or I have to do it, I'm going to be miserable. And we worked through that problem of the situation and talked about, like, did we talked about multiple layers of this. Like, one, is that really 
what they wanted to have those as the only options of feeling miserable or being gone. And if that, if that, if that client was gone, then they would feel guilty about not being there. We talked through what possible other options there could be, even when their mind did not want to really entertain them. And they didn't necessarily involve entirely always being there or being gone, but how to be there. We just started talking about like what were all the, or at least at least what we could conceive of at least five other possibilities and just to wonder about them. And then we started asking questions about the place they needed to be and how they needed to show up. We questioned a lot of the thinking that was going on around that around that problem. Because the either or trap is that we've just taken our thought, uh, the first thought, strongest thought, the one that we most like, and we've made that one the only one to pay attention to. So as I was working with my client and we were wondering and questioning, we eventually did work through t- some trials of doing some things a little differently and and just being curious about what 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 could happen like she that person decided to go ahead and be there but then added in some other uh tasks other ways of being present and doing the work that shifted for at least some of the time how they felt when they were in the place in that in that situation. And this leads me to actually talking about I, what I referenced earlier about myself um, and what with my client is we brought in the tool of asking some questions about the two options, the either or trap. So when we're stuck in this go around, like there's only these two options. I can't do it any other way. I'm going to be miserable or really happy, but then miserable because I might lose my job or someone might be mad at me or um, I have to give up this other thing on and on. But what's really helped me and my clients is when we just start getting curious and just start to ask some questions. Some, we st- I start I don't have the same questions every time, but I will start with some specific questions to get out of this cyclical loop. So here's a few of the questions, just a few. There are so many different questions uh, that can come up. And I will just say, I would refer you to an excellent book about asking questions. It's very in-depth, but it's called Questions Are the Answer by Hal Gregerson. I have that typed up in the show notes. But the and how to ask questions, but these are questions I have used since even before reading Hal Gregerson's book. So just in your mind, take a moment, and maybe you have a, a situation right now where it seems like there's only two options. And take a deep breath. And sometimes you have to be willing to just consider what the potential answers could be, even if you don't fully agree with them. I will start with that. 
So one of the questions I ask is actually is a two-part question is what is right with option A? And I will write down answers, even if there's only one thing or like, well, this might be right. I will write the answer down. And the second part of that is what is right with option B, which I usually think of as my option, but you could have it reversed or have it in any letter you want. And I'll write that down. And then I follow up with even a third part because sometimes opening that up is enough to kind of look at the, the problem from a different angle with just those two questions. What is right with option A? What is right with option B? And then I'll ask a third one. Is there a way to combine those parts that are right, and that's in quotes, into a third option, an option C? Some people would think of this a bit as compromise, and it might be. It might open up something that isn't exactly compromise. It may be more of a collaboration. So that's one set of questions that go together. Another one I've asked, even following that up, if I wasn't really getting clear, and this does not all happen in the same moment. You can happen over hours, over a few days. But another one I've asked is, if I could dream up a new solution, what could that be? And here's another one I like to ask myself sometimes. If I asked my best friend, my mom, my mentor, my sibling to offer a thought, what might they say? Because sometimes if we take a different viewpoint from someone else, what might they say? It doesn't mean you have to agree with their answer. This is just a way to kind of crack open a, a new, like a door into some new possibilities. Like I said, it kind of helps us get out of that cyclical loop of thought, that rut, if you will. And here's another one I like a lot too. What does me five years from now, that version of me five years from now have to offer as a solution to this problem? Or said another way, what does me five years from now say Tell me how I, how I handled this. And that may take a little time. It's going to create, you're going to need to use some imagination. But that too would be another way of asking that question. It follows up. There's another version of this where it's sort of like, what is another way I could see this? Another way I could look at this. So those are just a few questions. And as I say those, you might think of another question that maybe you remember that someone's offered in the past or another way of taking a look at this. You could even ask yourself, uh, these are a couple questions that if you know who Byron Katie is, you have like, is that true that there's only two possibilities? Is that true? So, Playing with asking yourself some questions about a problem, a situation that seems to only have two answers, but will help draw you out of this either-or trap of thinking, this binary way of something being right and wrong, or good and bad, or miserable and guilty. It will asking the questions just starts to bring us open, it cracks us open even a little bit into allowing some ideas to float through 
that might just help you and the other aspect of the problem work something out. I hope that was helpful. And I look forward to hearing from you. If you found something valuable in today's episode, please let me know. And I will talk again with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you heard something helpful in today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating and tell me and other listeners about it in a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks again and have a bolder day.